Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Daniel Gallen. Okay, Penn State fans, you know what time it is. Blue White Breakdown podcast time. I'm Bob Flounders. Daniel Gallen is joining me from State College. Uh, Dave had some other commitments today, but I promise all you Penn State fans, you have not heard or seen the last of Dave Jones and his dog, Kaiser. Don't worry. It's going to be Daniel and I most likely Tuesday and Wednesday, Daniel. And I believe you're, you're doing a, you're doing the trifecta, man. You're going to be doing one, I guess, with Dustin later in the week, but it's good to see you on a Tuesday. How are you doing? How are you holding up? How was your Super Bowl? It's great. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the triple crown this week, uh, which should be pretty pretty exciting for me. But no, it's uh, it's very cold in State College. Uh, we got a big Penn State hoops week coming up. Michigan State uh, in town tonight. Thursday, Minnesota comes to town for a 4 p.m. game um, that was rescheduled because Minnesota had some COVID issues last yeah. month. It's a busy week. We got fun this weekend. There's there's a lot going on up in State College, but it's uh it's pretty it's sunny and cold, which is always the weird combination. Yeah. I got caught without gloves yesterday when I left the house. Yeah. Are you gonna be covering fun? Is that is that a thing or does it have to be done remotely again? No, it's gonna be in person, so I'm gonna go over uh, for a little bit this weekend and, and get the full full experience as a first time state college resident, uh for first year on the Penn State beat. You got to get everything. Okay, Daniel. So let's we'll get into some recruiting. I see you've been busy there, but let's let's talk a little bit since it's only been a couple of days. Actually, Super Bowl got over so late; it's it's actually not even been two days. Let's just talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. Congrats to Nick Scott. Grant Haley was also a member of the Rams. As was Troy Reader, who started his career at Penn State and finished it at Delaware, a linebacker. Both Nick Scott and uh, Troy Reader were, I think, pretty key pieces on that defense. Everyone thinks about Vaughn Miller and Aaron Donald and why not. But those guys, I think, really had a nice postseason run as well. So we could talk a little bit about that. Before we talk, one thing that I think I know it caught your eye, too. Micah Parsons, as good as he was as a as a first-year rookie, defensive rookie of the year, he turns out he was never – he he just ran a four three and he's the world's fat he's the NFL's fastest man, but it turns out he he wasn't a hundred percent healthy all year. That was pretty surprising. Although I guess if you know Micah, he's a competitor and he said he was able to kind of a hyperextended knee. I think it happened in training camp, and he said he, it was an issue he dealt with all year. How phenomenal of an athlete and competitor do you have to be to play at that level as a rookie? And not, you know, and not be 100%. And he certainly looked 100%, but that really surprised me. 
Yeah, I mean, the fact that he was able to play through that, it just really shows you kind of the, the level of athlete that, that he is. And, and it is always, it's always funny this time of year. I know it's, it's talked about yeah. more in kind of hockey when hockey season ends, but right. when football season ends, it's, it's all these guys are going under the knife for, for various things that you had no idea about. It comes out. So and so played through this. Uh, so and so this happened in, in week one. I remember. The Eagles Super Bowl year, it was Alshon Jeffrey played the whole season with the torn rotator cuff that happened in training camp. There's kind of all, all of those things start to trickle out. And obviously football's a, a tough game. And I mean, Micah Parsons isn't going to shy away from anything. Uh, you know, like as long as he can be out there, he's going to be out there. So it just kind of adds a, another layer to what was a, a pretty, pretty cool story, a pretty impressive, uh, a rookie season for Micah. Watching him play at Penn State, that it looks like it's the same with Dallas, Daniel. He never, A, looks tired. And he never, I don't think he ever comes out of the game, man. I think he missed a series in 2019 for disciplinary reasons at Minnesota. There's only a handful of plays where he's not out on the field. And the amount of effort and energy he expends, it's really remarkable. I know I know he's a pup, but... His will to compete, his desire to compete, his, his desire to succeed, when you combine that with the relentlessness and also the fact that it looks like he just has, like, it's almost like he's got two hearts because his stamina, he, he, they cut to him on the sideline. He never is, He's never breathing hard. Yeah, I just pulled it up. He played 84% of the Cowboys snaps during the regular season. Uh, that's 904 uh, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of wear, wear and tear. And he also missed a game. So yeah. in that game, that's probably another at least 50 or 60 snaps that, that he would have played in that season finale. It's just really interesting how the Cowboys are going to use him moving forward. They're bringing Dan Quinn back, um, which I think is good for Parsons getting that second year in that system. And it's kind of the thing where he can do so many things and if the Cowboys were to use him in one particular role, like if he was a full-time pass rusher, I mean, I think that that would be, that would be pretty impressive, pretty disruptive. If he was a full-time off-ball linebacker, he could definitely make some plays in space. Uh, so I think it'll be interesting because he can do so many things well and he was helping the Cowboys, uh, in, in all of those areas. So it'll be, it's a, it's a fun storyline and, uh, it's, like that type of player is just so much fun to kind of follow and kind of play to play. All right. Where is he? What can he do in this situation? You're thinking the way that I'm thinking it is in Micah Parsons best interest to be a full-time pass rusher at an end rather than an off the ball outside linebacker, because those guys get paid. He's not close yet to worrying about a second contract, but it's going to be astronomical. And if you look at the Cowboys, I'm a, I'm a, unabashed Cowboys fan, They're, they are going to have to make some hard decisions regarding the cap uh, with Demarcus Lawrence and also Randy Gregory, who I think might be – they might have to tag him, I think, to keep him. I think he might be set to become an unrestricted free agent. Those were two very, very good pass rushes for them down the stretch. I think you're going to know more about Micah's role with Dallas in year two by what they do – because they don't have a lot of money in free agency, but watch them on draft day. Watch them. You know, I think they have six or seven picks. If you see them take another linebacker in the first three rounds, and if you see them don't go after a defensive end in the first three rounds, it's a pretty good indication. I think they're going to probably try and give Micah more work as a pass rusher, and they should. As good as he is off the ball, what he can do coming off the edge against the runner in the pass, 
it's just very disruptive. His speed and his power, and he actually has a nice little repertoire of moves. There's not a lot of offensive uh, linemen or, you know, running backs who have to try and chip on him that can handle him. And when he closes on a, on a, on a quarterback, he doesn't miss. So I said when he got drafted that he reminded me of Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack was an off-the-ball linebacker at Buffalo. And then as he, as he got developed with the Raiders, you know, I think he was probably drafted at 250 pounds. I think he's up to 275. If Mike is just going to naturally add, you know, 10, 15 more pounds, I think it's going to be, it's going to be defensive end for Mike. And it probably, it probably should be, but what a player, what a character. Did you see the tweet he had? Uh, did you, I don't know if you saw that, but what the Texas Rangers congratulated him on being the NFL's fastest man. And it said, like, congrats to our neighbor. And Micah came over the top and retweeted, like, right after it, first pitch, question mark. So he's just, <laughs> he's just lining things up. He's, he's one move ahead. So I, I, I'm glad the Cowboys got him, and I know that he's going to get better. Mm-hmm. But let's get to the Super Bowl, Daniel. What were your thoughts? What were your main takeaways? I thought I, I, thought I had the, the game nailed when I talked to you. But, man, when Odell Beckham hurt his knee, uh, that really, really changed the dynamic uh, for that Rams offense because – they could not, the, the Bengals could not handle him in space as the number two option when they were so concerned about Cooper Cup. And I know he only made two catches, but man, it was shaping up for him to put on a show. And I think he was also going to be, he's also going to be a free agent. So it's unfortunate, but boy, he looked good until he got hurt. And then it was life or death for the Rams. Yeah, I think that you kind of saw the, the impact of losing Beckham in kind of the, the key spots in the second half when they're throwing it to Ben Skoranek. And it's just kind of the, the, the offense just looks kind of listless, uh, after yeah. he left. I mean, obviously the Bengals were game planning for Cooper Cup. And for the most part, they did a good job until the very end when they really started to feed him. But I kind of felt like they should have started feeding Cup a lot earlier. I think he's the type of player that you can force the ball to. Yeah. Just based on what he can do with the ball in his hands. And I mean, Stafford's the type of quarterback that can force him the ball. I mean, he's, he's got the big arm. He can fit into the tight windows. Obviously, you saw the interceptions and whatnot. So you're running some risk reward there. But I was kind of surprised that it took that long, uh, to get Cup involved. Like, I think it's the thing where I'm sold on Sean McVay as kind of a, a play designer and a scheme designer, but. I'm not as in on him as kind of the in-game coach um, in terms of like some of the, the aggressiveness and, and that kind of thing where it took you that long to really get Cooper Cup uh, involved on a consistent basis. So, I mean, I think the thing for me that you were just kind of waiting for was how the hits on Joe Burrow were going to add up. Um, and we saw that at the end with kind of what Aaron Donald did and Ed Burrow getting his knee wrenched in that pretty – Really just ugly. I mean, both he and Stafford. I mean, those, both of the way that those guys got bent, it was just kind of, you were really worried if you, that you weren't going to see either of them again. Um, but it was the thing where it was the thing I was worried about. Uh, like watching that Bengals Titans game a couple weeks ago, it was like, all right, we've seen what Jeffrey Simmons is doing. What's Aaron Donald going to do? And, you know, they got after him and it was kind of what you expected and it affected the game in that way. Both defenses, I thought, had the offense's number for much of the game. Like, there was too much talent for them to, you know, completely shut down the Rams and to completely shut down the Bengals. But both defenses, I thought, were really, really good. The Bengals' defense was good. Man, the whole postseason, it was really hard to see coming. It was more the sum of their parts maybe than 
They don't, I don't know that they have like super duper standouts other than the Hendrickson guy and Bates at safety. They have some good corners. And I think that DC really had a nice game plan mixing up, uh, coverages, uh, you know, crowding scrimmage, creating confusion for Matt Stafford. So yeah, it was a tense game. The Bengals, I think now that's why I wanted to talk to it with Dave Jones because Dave is now back on the, on the Bengals bandwagon. They lost by six to the Niners, I think in their first Super Bowl. They lost by four to the Niners again in their second Super Bowl, and that was the Joe Montana drive to John Taylor at the end. And they lose to the Rams by three. So that's three Super Bowl losses. I think it's by ten points. That's pretty brutal. This this wasn't a Buffalo Bills showing where they just get blown out. They could have easily won all three games, and it's unfortunate, but I don't know how quickly they're going to be back. And the reason I say that, Daniel, is if they do not find a way to protect Joe Burrow, you said it. He was he might have he might have just caught a huge break that he didn't blow out his knee in that game. And you just can't keep hitting like you just can't keep getting hit like that. They have an elite running back. They have two tremendous wideouts now. They have Joe. They have a nice tight end who I think will be healthy next year. They they just have to really really double and triple down on bulking up that offensive line with quality people both inside and outside. I don't think he can last another year like this. I don't think he will get through 2022 if he gets hit the way he's been hit the last two years. He was fortunate on Sunday, but they have to be better. You can't have a quarterback like that and then not be able to protect him. It's what the same thing that happened with Joe Namath in the Jets. He was damaged goods when he got to New York, but he took so much punishment that his, his body just gave out at an early age and it could happen with Burrow. Yeah, before the game uh, on Saturday, I was I was going through um, some of my, my old stories on Penn Live because I remembered that I covered Burrow uh, in the Bengals-Eagles game last year, uh-huh. just the atrocious 23-23 tie where, yeah, Doug, Doug Peterson played for the tie. Uh, not not great. Um, but so I went through and I was looking at kind of what the Eagles players were saying before the game and, and what happened over the course of the game. And I think Burrow, it was eight sacks and 18 quarterback hits in that game. You watched him and it was like, he's he's not going to survive. He's not going to make it. And I think that that's something that you really have to look at. I mean, I think immediately after the game, there was a little bit of kind of revisionist history with the Jamar Chase versus Panay Sewell, where I think down the stretch of the season, the narrative was like Cincinnati went for the playmaker and it's paying off. And then as soon as the Super Bowl happens, it's, well, maybe like it wouldn't have mattered who who was on the outside. You needed the offensive lineman. I mean, I think the, the chase pick was fine. I mean, I think that it, it paid off. But I think that this year, this offseason, they're really going to have to look at that offensive line. And I think it's you're really going to see what the commitment is uh, from ownership because you're going to have to pony up uh, to pay uh, to keep some of these guys around. And to because um, I think Jesse Bates is a free agent, so that'll be a decision. So you have to pony up to, I guess, pay and put pieces around Burrow and, and things to keep them healthy because – Paying that money now will save you uh, in the in the long run from the cost of a of a broken quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think I think Joe Burrow has won over a lot of NFL fans outside of the state of Ohio um, this year, and I think he's very well respected uh, throughout the league, defensively, offensively. I think people know that he is just legit, and the Bengals finally got a number one pick like that right because they certainly missed on. I think I think. Was it David Klingler, Andre Ware? There was another one. There, there's like there, there. Keely Smith. 
Yeah, that's the one. Achilles Smith, uh, the Arn Argentine. They at least they got this one right. But man, if they if they don't if they don't bring in two or three really talented pieces, whether it's rookies or I, I have to think they have to be under the cap because they don't spend any money. They they just have to upgrade that offensive line because you're right. I mean, you're playing you're playing uh, in an AFC where you know the Titans are going to be pretty good on defense for a while, and if a couple of it, the Denver Broncos are good on defense, so he's not going to survive. So Nick Scott. Grant Haley, Nick Scott's really the guy, I think. Um, and I just, I, at least I've told this story before. He, uh, he was, a, he was all set to be determined to be a running back at Penn State. I think he came in a year before Saquon Barkley. I think Nick Scott was in Franklin's first class, and then Barkley came in the next year. And after about a month of the 2015 season, I think they were already planning to move Nick with his blessing to the defensive side of the ball. And it's just amazing how the choices you make at Penn State really can shape your life because Hattie pouted and said, I want to be a running back or I want to transfer. You know, we never would have heard about Nick Scott, but he was an unselfish guy, played special teams, special teams captain, learned the position. Seventh round pick, I think, of the Rams. He had to bide his time, but um, they had some injuries. He took the opportunity, ran with it, and I have to think that, uh, you know, his career, he extended his career by doing that. So happy for him. He was always a great guy at Penn State. I think very well liked Super nice guy, and he's still a, a young man. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll get back. But we're gonna have to see. But he he was a, a fun kid who benefited from listening to the coaching staff and the defensive change that he made really paid off. Yeah, you know that uh, Nick Scott is going to feature prominently in a lot of recruiting material now, and probably in in the material on how uh, Penn State re recruits. Uh, its players uh, to to stay with the team and, and not test the waters in the transfer portal. So it's kind of the thing where the in the trickle down, um, I think that he gives Penn State James Franklin. Obviously, they don't really need any more help recruiting because it's already one of one of the staff strengths. But it's just another guy they can point to um, to kind of make their case and and to show players kind of you know if you stay here for five years, you can get drafted. You can use what you learned in waiting. Uh, to, when you're in the NFL and you most likely do have to wait. It's just kind of a, it's kind of a cool story just because of the, the progression of it with five years in college and then it's his third year in the NFL before he gets to start, plays every snap, uh, in, in the postseason. I think I saw he was the only Rams player, uh, to play every snap in the postseason, a defensive player. So yes. it's a, it's a pretty cool accomplishment. I was on Zoom with him on Thursday night, uh, very focused shot down any questions he got asked about intercepting Tom Brady and uh, kind of <laughs> kept it kept it looking forward. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. It's not necessarily old news, but Penn State continues to recruit um, the future. There's, I think there's a little bit of news we could kind of talk about involving the 2023 class and maybe a couple talented players. They've made like a, a cut. Uh, like a finalist cut for a couple players. And also, I believe they've offered 
some quarterbacks in the 2024 class. Is that accurate? Yeah, Penn State, it's kind of that time of year where the various kids will kind of cut down their lists. It is kind of funny because it's, here's my top seven, but I'm still willing to listen to listen yeah. to anyone or there everyone's all it'll be a this is my top five, but I'm also still talking to XYZ and and still interested. So yeah, last week there is an offensive lineman, a uh, five star named Caden Proctor uh, from Iowa, uh, Michigan, Oregon, Alabama, Notre Dame, Georgia, Iowa, Penn State, um, and his top seven. Uh, he's a top five overall prospect. Uh, so. Obviously, Penn State would have a lot of work to do there. Um, I think last year, Iowa actually signed, I think, one of their highest, if not their highest rated recruit of the rankings era. He was a safety uh, who was from Iowa. So that was a pretty big get for them. And I think that's one of those things where it'll be interesting to see kind of how that uh, shakes out. Um, and then a defensive lineman um, from Alabama named Tamarian Parker, uh, Penn State, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee. So some SEC country and a Big Ten rival. Obviously, Penn State, I think, has kind of taken care of the offensive line so far. But um, I had a question in the mailbag today about kind of recruiting the defensive line, what the blueprint is, how you need a, a very disruptive defensive line. Um, the question asker kind of cited that Penn State's taking the jump in quarterback recruiting by getting Drew Aller. Um, but can they take the, the leap into that elite at other positions? So that'll be interesting. And then, and then the quarterbacks pair of 2024 kids from Arizona and Texas, uh, Dylan Rayola and DJ Lagway. Rayola is a four star, uh, in the 247 sports house rankings and Lagway is, uh, currently unranked. So the quarterback recruiting is pretty interesting given that you have Aller, but you don't necessarily know, like you don't necessarily think Penn State will be able to do kind of what Ohio State did, has done, where you just bring in, you have the succession of high four and five star guys. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how Penn State can kind of create some momentum and, and keep it going because like even if Aller is a program great, you don't want him to be a flash in the pan. You need to have kind of the, the succession plan lined up um, and that even starts in 2023 and Penn State has its eye on 2024, so we'll see. I mean, I think Mike Yersich did a great job identifying Aller early and sticking with it, and I think that that's kind of the hope moving forward that uh, Mike Yersich can kind of ID these guys at a, at a young age. Penn State can get in early, and they develop into what uh, what the coaching staff thinks they can be. The other thing young quarterbacks are looking at at Penn State is six-year quarterbacks, three babies in this room, Franklin's always kind of lean with one guy. Is he gonna? Is he gonna? Is he gonna shake things up? Is are is he gonna pay more attention to the younger kids? I think this is a really big year for Penn State as they continue to try and recruit quarterbacks moving forward. If it's if it's more of the same, if it's just one guy that plays ninety percent of the snaps and they're not really winning a lot of games, they're losing a lot of close games, and they're not scoring a lot of points. Daniel, if you're a young quarterback, why do you want to come here? Penn State has to be open to playing alternatives, even if it even if it means a, a series or two a game, because I just think that the really good quarterbacks do not want to come somewhere and sit two years. They don't want to do it, and it's 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 not just Penn State; it's everywhere. So I I really am curious to see how the how the quarterback discussion evolves this off season, especially through spring into August. I know we're not going to get a, t- a chance to talk. 
do the true freshman, but it's a different game. If you want a game changer at quarterback, then it behooves you the minute he's ready to play, you've got to play him. Penn State is kind of in, in a little bit of, of new territory. Um, and I think that between Clifford and McSorley, they were both on kind of, well, now Clifford's gone into his fourth year, but in a kind of a normal rhythm, they were both three-year starters, uh, which is a really long time. I mean, you look at the quarterbacks that have come and gone from the program in that time span. It's it's pretty wild. Um, whereas you look at a program uh, kind of like Ohio State, where its quarterbacks, they got on kind of a two-year cycle, where Haskins started for two years, Justin Fields started for two years, C.J. Stroud will probably start only for two years and then go off to the NFL after this year. Uh, so things are accelerated there, which I think helps you bring in five stars because it's you only have to wait a year. You can spend that year so that when you finally hit the field, I mean, you saw what C.J. Stroud did this year. It's kind of an interesting dynamic uh, to, to kind of watch and, you know, like accelerate the timeline, develop these guys and get them off to the league. I mean, that's what young quarterbacks want. There's only a few programs in the country that can kind of do that. And I think that if Penn State can become one of those, that bodes very well for on-field success and recruiting success. Okay, Daniel, it's the Blue White Breakdown podcast. We are about out of time. You have a busy week, young man. Are you excited real quick? Uh, are you excited to uh, – I don't know if you – have you ever covered a – Thursday night college football game. I don't, I don't think Penn State's ever played one. I know they played on a Friday night a couple years ago, but I don't think they've ever played a Thursday night game. Are you excited by the news that the anticipated news that Purdue Penn State will be September 1st, that Thursday, I guess on Fox? I covered my, my fair share of, of Thursday night Maryland games in the count. NFL. Maryland doesn't. Count. Oh, I'm the NFL. The NFL. Oh. I mean, Maryland was not, I never covered a night game uh, when I was, when I was covering Maryland, either in college or after college that, that didn't really uh, register on the ratings, but no, I mean, I did my, the Eagles had plenty of Thursday night games and the Thursday night home games are fine because you get home at three, work till four, get up at nine or you no, know, get up at eight to hear Doug Peterson on the radio. Uh, but the road games, that's where it got tricky. Uh, oh, yeah. I think 2019, 2019, they were at, uh, at Green Bay. And I had a, I think a 630 flight out of Milwaukee the next morning. So. I uh, drove up from Milwaukee Thursday uh, morning and then left Lambeau Field at probably 2 a.m., drove back to Milwaukee, went through security, uh, sat at the gate, did some work, and then uh, then flew home. So I think that ended up being like a 35-hour day. But oh, I'm excited for Thursday night. I mean, college football at night, it's a lot of fun. It's something different. I've never been to Purdue, um, and I'm sure that because it's a season opener – They'll be excited. They will. And they should have a very, very interesting team with that quarterback back. They lose some good players, but he's a good coach. And Penn State has just struggled to, struggled to score points, especially on the road. So um, I don't see that changing at the start of the season with some of the losses that they've had. But, yeah, Thursday night game. The good news is, knock on wood, if we can somehow get back to Pennsylvania on Friday without any travel disasters, uh, it kind of frees up the weekend. And those are rare. It's almost, it's almost, Daniel, like having a built-in by weekend. Not quite, but it's, it's a nice little start to the year, provided we can get back to Pennsylvania uh, on time, in relative time. It's the, it's the mini buy, And I, I can't remember the last time I had late, a Labor Day weekend uh, where I didn't have to work. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, 
when they announced the change, I was like, oh, like night game on the road, that's going to be tough. But then I was like, well, I'll have my whole weekend to, to watch some college football. Yeah, it's probably going to be about 98 degrees at kickoff, too, because the way that the summers now kind of tend to linger, uh, you're basically <laughs> still, you're still in prime summer when that game kicks off. It was, it was pretty warm when they opened at 11 a.m. at Wisconsin. Uh, at oh, night, yeah. at night, I think it's, it could be a little bit more saucy in terms of humidity, but who knows? Who knows? Maybe it'll be a nice night. I'm looking forward to it. I know you're looking forward to it. All right, man. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Take care. Stay warm. And, uh, you guys will be back, uh, a little bit later, uh, actually 24 hours from now to talk some more stuff. We're going to go in a different direction, I think, tomorrow. So we won't be talking. I promise we won't be talking about the Super Bowl and all the bets I lost with Odell Beckham flew out his knee. Just a killer, man. It was a killer. But I think he probably feels worse. Anyway, Daniel, take care. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>